Celtics fifth quarter. Huge win tonight for the Celtics, 102 to 99. Huge fourth quarter. Back again with Billy, who I know is pumped to talk about it. So, Billy, give me your main takeaway of the game. Oh, man. Well, first and foremost, dude, you're like, uh, where'd you watch the game? You're in like, you, you switched locations on me. Yeah, I'm, ba- I'm back at school now, back at Bentley. Back at Bentley. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I went into this game. Celtics came into the game one point underdogs. Uh, I took the Celtics again. But after watching that first, after watching that first half, the thing that really kind of stuck out to me, especially in the first quarter, was the pace was completely controlled by Toronto. Toronto was doing everything they wanted to. Fred Van Vliet played a lot better than he did the other night. Um, obviously, we'll get into kind of the other storylines. But again, this is a game that, you know, every sign is pointing towards there's no way you win this game. And again, uh, the superstar power of Kemba Walker, of Jason Tatum, uh, and Jalen Brown. Somebody got hot when somebody else wasn't. Marcus Smart, legendary folklore performance, um, but uh, just a lot of fun. And I'm t- every game I watch, Celtics are a title contender. Like I, they are a legitimate cemented title contender, I think. Um, and I think people are starting to realize that. Yeah, and the, the Raptors have been playing horrible against the Celtics in the first six minutes of the game the whole season. Tonight, they had 15 points in the first six minutes of the game. So they definitely got out to a hot start, controlled the pace early. thought Jalen Brown was fantastic early. I thought Kemba Walker couldn't have been further away from fantastic early. I started out the game 2 of 14, um, but he definitely redeemed himself in the end of the game. Robert Williams is another guy who started out fantastic. He was 5 of 5 in the first quarter, 10 points. Build the statue. Build it. Build the statue. Outside of the garden, build the statue. Yeah, he he brings so much to the table that a guy like Ennis Cantor can't. Uh, He's... Obviously, we've talked about him in the past. He's athletic. He can he can play above the rim. He can do. He's fantastic in the pick and roll. You know who wasn't fantastic? And I, I'm gonna let you do it because I've done the ranting every time. Enough, Semi Ojale. Enough. I can't do it anymore. I'll let you do it because people know what I have to say about Semi Ojale. But I think you finally came around. In, in the past, I've I've kind of defended Semi Ojale to an extent that he he you know could somewhat get some minutes. Tonight, Semi Ojale was horrible. I, I've, I've had enough of seeing Semi Ojale on the court. Make it stop. Um, he airballed a three at one point. I mean, he, I think he was 0 of 3 from three. He, he, doesn't even, he wasn't even playing that great at defense. I mean, he, he was a plus seven. So, if, yeah, if you look at the box score, you say, why are you hitting <laughs> He was a plus seven. Couldn't have played that bad. It's just, it's, he's an eyesore. And Can I, I be honest? I mean, I don't think – I think another problem with it is, like, if you want to have him in for minutes to, to, to body or foul – or, or, or do something, he has no awareness of what his role is. And I quite honestly don't even know what his role is. He gets very weird minutes and doesn't really have, it seems like he has no mission at all. And he also doesn't try to hide himself. Brad Monomaker does a good job coming in and you're like, oh, I didn't know Brad was on the court in the last three minutes. With Semi Ojale, it's like, oh my God, what is this steaming pile of crap rolling around on the court right now? And my problem with him going into the playoffs, and I was like, the one thing I critique about Semi Ojale is his shot selection. And I thought, yes, throughout Philadelphia series, I thought he did an okay job of not hucking up any weird threes. Tonight, three threes that he did not need to take. I mean, he'll get an offensive rebound, or the ball will find him after an offensive rebound, and he feels the need to just launch up a three pointer. And that, why? You're, you're not a good shooter. Just you're, you're out there to play physical defense and set picks on offense, maybe stand in the corner. Like that's, that's all we need from Semi Ojale. 
I've had I've had enough of him playing if he's going to keep shooting the ball. I'd personally rather see some Romeo Langford minutes, who I thought for sure would play in this series. I was I was banking on him being like a almost a unsung. Pretty surprised player. about that for sure. But uh, I haven't seen like any of Romeo Langford. I would love to see a little bit of Romeo Langford going forward, especially in those semi-overlay minutes. For before we get into the third quarter, I, I want to say like my feeling going into halftime though was okay. Kemba's playing horrible. They're completely controlling the pace. Before the third quarter started, I was like, we're going to win this game by eight to 10 points because I'm like, Kemba Walker is going to get hot. Um, Jason Tatum has been playing well. Jalen Brown's been playing fantastic. Uh, and then third quarter was just a complete disaster. Yeah, they were outscored by 10 in the third quarter. And I think it some, some of their uh, shot selections, what was concerning to me, like in the, in the, first, in the first game, they were very aggressive. They were getting the shots that they wanted, and it felt like they were just settling for these shots in the third quarter especially. Jay, I mean, Jalen Brown especially, he fell off. He was one of seven in the second half. We really got bailed out there by Marcus Smart in the fourth quarter because uh, we were going into the fourth quarter down eight. I mean, Kemba was playing – he was playing – I don't want to say he was playing horrible because I feel, I feel mean ever saying that Kemba Walker is playing horrible, but he, he couldn't buy a bucket is what I'll say. You know what he did really well, though? He does, he does a fantastic job of when his shot is not falling, finding other ways to contribute. Like, he was playing extremely hard on defense. He was finding other guys the ball. We're not going to win without contribute, con- contributions from Kemba Walker for four quarters, but he's also able to put himself in and find ways to affect the game when his shot is not falling. Yeah, and that's why I can't say that he played horrible. Yes, his shot wasn't falling tonight, but he was doing so many other things. In terms of the Marcus Smart barrage – the third three that he took, so he hits the first two. I'm like, oh, okay, sweet. Like Marcus Smart needed to hit two to get the over uh, for DraftKings tonight. And he takes this, uh, this dribble in, step back, contested three. And as it left his hands, I was like, all right, Marcus, this is 2017 Marcus. And he drains it. I, I'm going to make the point that was the biggest no, no, yes of the Marcus Smart experience. Do you disagree? Yeah, I mean, majority of the time that Marcus Smart gets the ball and shoots it, you're like, no, 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 and then it goes in. Like, <laughs> almost like every time you expect him to make a shot, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And when you expect him to miss, like on a crazy step back, it goes in. Like, of the five, he made five threes in a row in, like, I think, like four minutes there. He had 16 points in four minutes, brought the Celtics ahead, which was – it was crazy. Like, that's got to be all over Sports Center. That was unbelievable. And think about this. Would you have, would you have thought uh, two years ago that Marcus Smart would be getting deny, ball deny defense in the fourth quarter of a playoff game? I wouldn't have thought that yesterday. <laughs> I mean, he, he, the ball didn't even touch the rim on those five shots. He it was no. all swishes. It was, it, was, it, it was an amazing performance by Marcus Smart. And then obviously he does amazing things on the defensive end as well. Just, you got to love Marcus Smart. And in addition to that, obviously you love the early start by Marcus Smart in the fourth quarter, but Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum both had a great end of the quarter. Uh, Kemba hit some great shots. He was four of four to finish the game. Jason Tatum, fourteen of fourteen from the free throw line. He was he was hitting all of his shots. Another thing that I noticed, uh, well, two things that I noticed here. This game, more than any other game, I think highlighted how important Gordon Hayward is to this team. And it's so easy to get frustrated with, with, with Gordon Hayward when shots aren't falling or he keeps getting hurt or whatever. But this is a perfect example. I mean, Kemba Walker's shots aren't falling. Jalen Brown goes dark in the third quarter. To have Gordon Hayward 
here in this third quarter and, you know, in the first half would have been huge, not just from a defensive standpoint, but uh, what I think Boston has going for him is there is no better. I would argue, and Bill Simmons said this on his podcast on Monday, there's no better three left in the playoffs right now. There's no better trio left. There's a better duo. There's no better trio. But when you have four, when you have four legitimate all-star contending scoring options, um, that's what the Celtics really missed tonight. But how are they able to get it done? They got it done because Jason Tatum is a full-blown superstar. And Kemba Walker has, we'll get into this later, Kemba Walker just has really, really good instincts in the fourth quarter. Uh, the 50-50 balls in the fourth quarter were owned by the Celtics for the most part. I want to shout out Grant Williams. He was fantastic. want to shout out Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice had nine rebounds tonight. Uh, and back to that point about Kemba Walker, I challenge you guys, I would like to know if you can name another player in NBA history who has the championship DNA feel of Kemba Walker when people forget he's only won three playoff games in his entire career. This guy has been a first-round exit or missing the playoffs, not really to his fault. Charlotte is just a horrible franchise. Um, but in terms of fourth quarter and just game awareness and making championship plays, Kemba Walker is right up there. Um, so I'm curious to know, Brian, is there anyone that comes to mind that you can think of in NBA history with, with a lack of playoff experience but just thrives in these kind of moments? I mean, the guy that comes to my mind is T-Mac. Tracy McGrady never made it out of the first round if you know, if you – don't include that one stand he had with the Spurs where he was injured the whole time. When he was healthy, he never made it out of the first round. And uh, I think you can compare, maybe not compare Kemba to him, but the, the idea of the lack of playoff success, but such a success as a career. I mean, Kemba, like you said, had three playoff wins going into this season, and he already has six this year. Fact of the matter is, though, too, Tracy McGrady had some great teams that he was on. Um, you know, but for Kemba Walker, and he said it before, this has got to be just a ton of fun for him to finally have some other outlets and some other guys that are helping him be successful. And, you know, again, it's just crazy to think back, like, thank goodness he signed with us this off season. Um, but glad he was able to find a shot in the fourth. Yeah. I mean, I personally would have been shocked if you told me the Celtics were going to be six and zero at this point in the playoffs that um, I, it's weird. We haven't done a, we haven't done a recap on the game the Celtics have lost yet. Because they're they're six and zero in the playoffs. So. Maybe the podcast is a secret juju. Maybe we're, maybe 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 there's a greater power that we're bringing to the Celtics. I'd like to think so. I'm going to take all the credit when the Celtics go sixteen and zero in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, but some positive numbers from the game that I want to point out: uh, the Celtics were twenty three of twenty five from the free throw line, which ninety two percent. They outscored the Raptors thirty two to twenty one in the fourth quarter, which was obviously led by the sixteen points from Marcus Smart and then the closeout by Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker. They out-rebounded Toronto again. I know Billy is big into the rebounding. I love it. I love it. And I'll have, I have some questions here for – we're going to get into it a little bit later. I wrote a letter to, uh, to Nick Nurse about some of the gripes that I have. But we'll get into that after, uh, after we do some negative Nancy numbers here. Yeah, some negative numbers I want to talk about quickly. Celtics, again, and had a lot of turnovers, 17 turnovers again tonight. Uh, how, do you win with seven, how do you win with that many turnovers again? winning with this many turnovers it, it really confuses me and I think if you're Toronto you have to look at that look at that and be like how are we not not only winning but blowing them out when they have that many turnovers like there's no reason that Toronto should lose a game where the opponent turns the ball over 17 times um obviously Kemba Walker had a, a poor game in the first three quarters he was one of eight from three in the game uh this bench had 13 points tonight which is a little bit concerning Tice had three points, so 16 points in total. 
outside of your core four players, which that, that's a little bit concerning. And I think that goes back a little bit to the Gordon Hayward point. That's where you miss Gordon Hayward a lot. That when you only get time to zag, time to zag. I agree with the Gordon Hayward point, but I think Daniel Tice is in a little bit of a unique spot. He's not able to really get a rhythm. Um, again, I was really confused at how they did the minutes with Robert Williams and Daniel Tice tonight, but Tice, you know, made some winning plays. He hit a nice three in the corner. I think it was his first three in forever. I can't remember the last time I watched Daniel Tice hit a three. Uh, and again, nine rebounds. So I'm just, I, I wish there would, and I'm sure they do too. I'm not trying to tell Brad what to do. Brad knows what he's doing. But I'm just, I'm, I, I would love to kind of understand the minutes breakdown that we have with Robert Williams. I mean, Robert Williams, five for five, didn't really contribute after that first half. Uh, I know his back was bothering him, but he did come back in after he was icing his back. So um, maybe that played into it. Not sure. Yeah, I think a lot of the reason you didn't see Robert Williams in the second half as much was because of Grant Williams. Uh, Brad wanted to give him some minutes, and I think he did a pretty good job on both ends of the ball. He only had two points, but uh, he, he does so many of those things like Marcus Smart does that he's like winning plays. I think that's why Brad rolled with Grant in the end of the game, just because he trusts him to make uh, smart decisions. And he went more of a, with a Grant Williams tice rotation towards the end of the game. All right, Brian, here we go. This is my letter to Nick Nurse, and I would love to hear your response for each one of these talking points. Dear Nick Nurse, why are you not posting up Gasol at all. Yeah, the Raptors almost run a five-out offense, and I, I don't understand why they do that. I mean, they have some good shooters, but I wouldn't say they're an elite three-point shooting team, and the five-out tends to only really work um, when you have elite shooters. Somehow the Raptors have had success with it, so obviously I'm not going to question the game plan, but I, I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive game plan. I, I just think you have such a, I think you have such a mismatch with, with – with Gasol, look, if you want to have Ibaka play up top, like Ibaka's proven throughout his career that he can do that. Um, but I, I just, I really don't see a reason why. If you can find any type of advantage, you know, we were talking about this before the podcast. I know Toronto is not particularly a good rebounding team, but get him under the basket. I don't, I, I really, I don't understand why, why, what the benefit of doing that is. Um, another question they're just so adamant on running their offense through Pascal Siakam and Pascal Siakam is a talented young player, but you know, Kyle Lowry kind of got going late. Fred Van Vliet had a great stroke today and OG Adenobi was fantastic. And it seemed like they were almost force feeding it to, uh, to Pascal Siakam down the stretch. Yeah. Siakam has really struggled not only in this series, but in the bubble in general, uh, he's really had his game falling off. And honestly, if you look at the numbers, you take a deep dive into Pascal Siakam's numbers, the first three months of the season, Pascal Siakam was unreal. He was putting up better numbers than Jason Tatum. Um, and he, you, at that point, you would have said that Pascal is the best out of these two teams. You look at his numbers after the first three months of the season, and you see a significant fall off in his game. And then you see even more of a fall off in when it comes to the bubble. So I, I, I think they're, they're trying to continue their offense through Pascal because he, he, does, he has shown that he has success in the past, but he's obviously struggling right now. And I would expect the Raptors to come out with a different game plan and maybe see Kyle Lowry run the offense a little more. Last one isn't really a gripe. It's more just something to watch for. I was shocked at the amount of times that they would get a switch or they would get a bad matchup where OG Adenubi or, or Pascal or somebody would either have Marcus Smart or Kemba Walker uh, or even Wanamaker in a post-up situation and they wouldn't even try to score. They're immediately passing the ball out to reset. And, 
you know, knowing how bad that Toronto is in half court offense, why are you passing out of an opportunity for a quick bucket there? I, I just, I, did you notice that throughout this game, the amount of times they would pass in, have a nice post up and just get out of it? Yeah, you, you, you see Kemba Walker with a mismatch and the Celtics immediate reaction is to almost come for help, but they don't want to overcommit. And I, I think that what that, one step that a player will make towards the post up will force the guy who's posting up to see like an open, an open shooter, even though he's not really completely open yet and he'll pass out and the guy will immediately retreat to cover the shooter. And you'll look as a fan and you'll say, well, why did he do that? Like that wasn't even an open shot, but it's there. He sees the guy committing almost. And I think that just depends on the players. I think the, the more experienced players know when to pass it. And guys like OG and Anunoby, it's a hard name to say, <laughs> doesn't really have the, the experience, especially in the post-up game. I think Pascal's just got a lot going on with his game right now that I think I, – I, I, didn't, I didn't see a, a Pascal on Kemba mismatch. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely have seen the mismatches throughout the series. I'm interested to see how we uh, – or not interested to see. I'm, I've been impressed – with how our young guys have played on defense when they do have to get minutes uh, they're playing, they're logging good minutes. So that's definitely something that's um, been going well as well. But Brian, moving forward, what are we looking for moving forward? Give me your points here. I'm going to say once again, we got to limit our turnovers, please, please. I, I, we are, I already went on a rant about that, but we got to limit the turnovers. Some team's going to make us pay. Like I, I see it coming in the future, whether it's the Raptors or somebody we play in a future series, we are going to get blown out in a game because we had 20 turnovers. Some team is going to make us pay. Let me just say this then, uh, and this is not a double jinx at all. It's just, I'm telling you, everybody needs to be rooting for Milwaukee. I have no interest in seeing the Miami Heat in the next round at all. Yeah, I completely agree. I think... um, Milwaukee is a good team, but Miami really scares me the way that they play offense. And when their shooters get hot, I, I don't see the Celtics being able to compete with that. And you saw in the one game they played in the bubble, Celtics had a really bad night where they had a lot of turnovers and Miami made them pay. And uh, yeah, Miami definitely scares me. I think that they're going to give Milwaukee a run for their money, if not beat them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely am rooting for Milwaukee as a Celtics fan, because I think we just match up slightly better against them. Another thing moving forward is Kemba Walker pretty much cannot shoot worse, and we still won the game. And I remember I, I texted my friends at the end of the third quarter and said, look, we're down eight, and I don't think I've ever seen Kemba Walker shoot this bad. Oh. Like that, that's, like a, that's almost a positive. Like It's obviously not a positive that he was shooting that bad, but the fact that we were only down eight at that point, I was like, we're going to win this game just because we are playing so bad and we're only down eight. It was going to click at some point for him. Uh, and I think that's why I was so confident at halftime was I was like, honestly, we can't play any worse than we are right now. Now, granted, we did play worse in the third quarter, um, but it did turn around for us in the fourth. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't expect Kemba Walker to have a down game like that again. But more than anything, to me, it just uh, shows you how important Gordon Hayward is to this team in the near future and in the uh, long term. Yeah, and kind of just going off that, you, you need better bench play, especially with Gordon Hayward out. That um, Guys like Brad Wanamaker, who was kind of invisible tonight, and I don't want to say he played bad, but he was invisible. Uh, maybe Romeo Langford minutes, Grant Williams, Robert Williams need to continue their success. Definitely need some better bench play going forward. And they, 
most importantly, is Celtics got to keep up their good defense. It's winning them games, and it's going to win them a championship potentially. That 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 is how they win their games. And even in a, in a game where they shoot as poorly as they did tonight, they still won because they held the Raptors to under a hundred points. Yeah, I agree uh, with all those points wholeheartedly. I would say my only two add-ons here are you got to control the pace. Boston did a great job controlling the pace in game one. Stark difference here in game two. Um, if you're going to let Toronto run, you're going to let Toronto get in space. Um, you're not going to be able to handle it. So just got to do a better job of controlling the pace. And again, that comes with not turning the ball over. And I got to tip my cap. Brad Stevens, for a couple of years there, you never knew if he had the feel of the flow of the game. And that was kind of my one gripe with him. Uh, he took fantastic timeouts tonight. I know like that when I wrote it down, it sounded like kind of a, a goofy thing to say, but there were, there were, there were several timeouts that he took that were timed perfectly um, and really did a good job calming everybody down. And I know you have uh, mentioned Brad Stevens feel for the game is kind of being a Achilles heel for the last few years. Yeah. I mean, I I've been saying the whole year that Brad Stevens has gotten significantly better in the way he manages rotations, the way he calls his timeouts and is able to stop runs by the other team through all of that. And I think a, a part of that last year, why you didn't see as much success with that was because Brad Stevens thrives in a system where his players buy into his system. And that last year, the players weren't really buying into what Brad was preaching. And now you got these young and hungry guys led by Kemba Walker as well. And now they're buying into what Brad is saying. And that's why you're seeing so much success in his game plan. Give me your shining moment. Oh, this one's obvious. Uh, the Marcus Smart, five three-pointers in a row, 16 points in under four minutes. It completely turned around the game. It was amazing. I, I, I don't have enough to say about what Marcus Smart did. Don't hurt yourself smiling too hard. I, I, I zagged here. Obviously, the, uh, the Marcus Smart thing was fantastic. I had a ton of fun watching that. Uh, I just love Marcus, one of my favorite players in the whole NBA. Uh, his flop was pretty egregious tonight. Um, it was definitely one of the most, most Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart plays, but got to give him credit for trying. My shining moment, though, I'm going to go with uh, it was 90 to 87 with 541 left. Celtics finally got some traction. And uh, off, of, off of Marcus Smart's sole miss from the three-point line tonight, Grant Williams just, again, grabs one of those 50-50 balls, passes it to Tatum, opens up that six-point lead. And to be completely honest, the Celtics really didn't look back until they tried to lose the game in the last, like, 75 seconds. Um, so, for me, that was huge. Yeah, for sure. Grant Williams, again, I mentioned it. He, he makes those smart decisions, those game-winning plays like Marcus Smart does, and that's why Brad trusts him in those situations. Player of the game. This one's tough. I, almost, I think I'm going to go with two players of the game. You have to give, you have to give to Jason Tatum. He had 34 points eight rebounds, six assists, which six, six assists from Jason Tatum is yeah. a lot. He was facilitating tonight. But obviously, Marcus Smart, 19 points, 16 of those in the fourth quarter alone. He had two blocks on defense. Love the Marcus Smart tap. Another thing, easiest money of my life, DraftKings, just giving away free money. Um, the over-under on Tatum's points tonight, 25 and a half. I was like, the Celtics have any chances of winning that, that Tatum's going to have to drop 30. Uh, I think Tatum hit 25 and a half, like midway through the third quarter. Um, but look, you know what I love. What do I love? Jason Tatum getting to the free throw line 14 times, knocking down 14 free throws. It's what you love to see. I will say, don't love Jalen Brown only got to the line three times, but uh, Jason Tatum was in attack mode all night. Uh, again, bona fide superstar. 
Uh, and it's just a pleasure to watch him on offense. Um, he's just, he's absolutely incredible. What about your turning point? It's got to be the three-point barrage. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that that was the turning point in the game. The Celtics didn't really look back after that. They had so much momentum. And I, I've i said enough of, enough about Marcus Smart. You know what else was a kind of a turning point, too, is early in the fourth quarter, even even towards the end of the third quarter, we were getting stops on defense, but we could not get a bucket. Like, we were playing good defense. And, again, it was another opportunity. We've already alluded to the uh, Kyrie Irving thing, but – um, the team didn't get frustrated. They kept getting stops when they're down 10, 12, eight points, and then finally waited for someone to come through and Marcus comes through, Kemba Walker steps up. Um, so that was kind of another point there. Late in the third quarter, our defense kind of started to take a hold. And then Brian, take us home with the bottom line. Bottom line is tonight, we had a pretty much a down night offensively until the fourth quarter and we still won. That our, our second best player had one of his worst shooting performances through three quarters and we still managed to win the game. And that's why I keep preaching that defense is winning us these games and defense is going to win us a championship because that, that kept us in the game. Obviously, Jason Tatum kept us in the game as well. But like you said, like we, we kept the game within 10 pretty much the entire time and just waited for that one moment where one player just finally took over. And we, we only gave up 99 points tonight. And I think majority of the time that a Celtics team gives up 99 points, they're going to win the game. Quick question before we uh, wrap it up. What's your prediction for game three? I think the Raptors are going to come out with the most energy we've seen from them through in the series. Uh, I expect them to rebound hard, but uh, I expect the Celtics to also shoot better and continue to play good defense. Uh, you might over, say, hopefully turn over the ball less, hopefully. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll keep saying that until they do. But uh, hopefully no semi Ojolet, maybe some Romeo Langford. But, uh, but other than that, I, I think the Celtics got this in five games now. I said six at first, but after watching these last two games, I got the Celtics in five. Game three is Thursday at 6.30. We will be back after that. Every morning